0: This episode is part of a series where I interview experts on various areas around mental health. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help now, call 000, Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 anytime for support and advice. As a financial advisor, my job is to talk to people about money and with money comes goals and me personally i don't just talk about money i talk about other aspects of it because i've learned over the years through my experience that money is just money and without goals and without without it being tied to something else is just an object but there's a saying that we've always heard since we were children is that money doesn't make you happy and On that point of money and happiness, and some people may disagree with that. Some people might say, you know, I've heard that famous quote of, "Well, have you ever seen someone ever crying in a Ferrari?" You know, and some people may know and feel that money doesn't make them happy, but they still try to get money to make them happy. So, as part of this mental health series, I've invited Tatiana de Silva, a registered psychologist, on the show to to talk about this because I think a lot of it is probably more, um, you know, psychology based than anything else, and. Tatiana, thank you so much f- for joining us.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Michael.
0: Would I be right in saying that a lot of it is psychology-based? Like, it's it's not, you know, people just have this thing in their mind thinking that money is going to make them happy?
1: Oh, 100%. And I think, like you were saying, it's what we attribute the significance of money to, right? Um, for a lot of people, it's this idea that, yes, if I have money, I can, I can have, the like, wonderful holidays and i can have all the things that give me momentary joy and it's true like we know that 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 those things can give you pleasure and they can give you happiness but like i said it's temporary and there are other things that you, you need to think about um in the context of money or even beyond money um to really have lasting wellness and happiness
0: yeah, because I think we've all fallen into that trap before. Like, for example, even um, even myself. Like, there's some stages where something's really, uh, you know, on my mind, and I'll just think, oh, if I just, you know, if I could just buy this one thing, or if I can just get this one thing um, mm-hmm. done, I'll be I'll be happy. You know, I, I won't mm-hmm. be this stressed anymore. I'll, I'll I'll be relaxed, and I'll have nothing to worry about. But mm-hmm. the problem is, the second that happens, it's there's that there's that instant period of, you know, you can call it dopamine or that excitement and then it mm. wears off and then suddenly, you know, this the anxiety or the stress or the, the thing that was on your mind is replaced by something else. Um, and, you know, it's, and as far as money's concerned, um, you know, I'm sure you'd probably agree with this, but it's more of a resource um, or a tool rather than the actual goal.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you can see this from... Um, like what we understand of like dopamine research and how the constant pursuit of pleasure actually leads to less like lower levels of happiness and satisfaction. Right. Um, And so if we're not putting money in the service of something that's more values aligned, it can feel very empty. Um, You often hear of people who have won the lotto and they talk about, you know, all they dreamed of was winning the lotto and then they have all this money. And when these people have been followed um, after the fact, a lot of them are, are unhappy in worse off positions than they were before they won the money. So we know that money isn't the answer. And in fact, I, I think it was Jim Carrey that famously ha- said this quote, that he wishes everybody in the world was given a million dollars so that they could understand that that's not the answer to that, those, those empty feelings that we get sometimes just by virtue of the human experience, right like it's filled with these highs and these lows, um, and we're often externalizing um our focus to try to to avoid feeling that discomfort and we think it's in things and we think it's in experiences, and when we're constantly chasing these things only to discover that attaining them doesn't really take that feeling away
0: yeah when you talk I love that you mentioned that that quote because what I think of straight away is you know. I wish everyone had a million dollars so they could see what it feels like. It's I also th- I also think of um straight away it just comes to mind the 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 whole Instagram stuff, the whole social media mm. stuff where people see someone's life another person's life on Instagram for example. They go, "Oh, they got the perfect life. They must be so happy. They're going out to awesome dinners. They've got such nice cars. They mm. they do this and all oh, everything's amazing." But that person's probably just as depressed or has just as many issues if not more as you you know or, or, or as the other person that doesn't have any of that you know so mm. it's um it's crazy and on that point we've, in this society with social media we always have these pressures um, to always be chasing things and looking at others mm. and w- would you say that that has been like a contributing factor to like all these you know rising rates of depression anxiety um, suicide mm. as well
1: Oh, one hundred percent. The research is well validated on this point right now. Um, we know that with the advent of social media, you can correlate very clearly. There's been a significant spike in levels of depression, anxiety, suicide rates have have been spiking consistently, um, and at younger and younger rates, we're seeing these rates increase for, in in children, sometimes as young as seven. Um, and there is definitely this culture now of this hustle mentality of constantly chasing this perfect lifestyle that's often summarized in material terms. Um, th- this idea that you have to have so much money, and you have to have like brand clothes and these really fancy holidays. It can't just be, you know, like so I guess something simple and traditional that we would normally would have found a lot of joy in. Like it needs to be ostentatious and it needs to be these over the top the top stuff to to satisfy this criteria of a perfect life, um, and and it's having a detrimental impact on people's. Mental wellness. I have clients at the moment who are, like, are relatively young. They're still at the start of their career. Some of them are still studying, who are reporting anxiety around spending money on basic joyful activities because they have this idea that they just have to constantly save and invest, and or they already feel like they're behind when they're only in their early 20s. Um, so there's definitely a lot to be said about this external pressure that's being placed on society to to be chasing whatever essentially quite. I sometimes when I have clients who will talk. Like when we talk about what they they are seeking out of treatment, what would give them happiness? Some some people will say you know, like financial security, but the question then becomes: Okay, so let's say you have all the money in the world that you, you feel you need to to have a joyous life. What then? Like what what will that money then enable you to do? Because I think like we were saying earlier, money is a resource, and so. Unless it's being utilized in the service of your values, who you want to be, the kind of life you want to have, who you, what you want to stand for, it can feel very empty very quickly. And, you know, there's that famous saying that comparison is the thief of joy. And we're now living in this not surprisingly joyless society in many ways because we're constantly comparing ourselves, particularly on this criteria.
0: And, and I mean, as a financial advisor, when I talk about just even that topic, the there's, I mean, I think there's two parts to it. Like one part is some people sometimes could be concerned that, you know, they're not going to be able to, I I, I saw a couple uh, last night. Um, They were concerned. She was, came to me so stressed out, worried that they're not going to be able to retire in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And she just wanted that peace of mind knowing that it was going to be okay. And, On that side of things, I was able to um, educate them. We put some advice together. I showed them what they had to do, and I showed them that, no, they could retire in 10 years um, on the amount of money they wanted per year. And that made them feel very relaxed um, because they knew what they had to do. They knew that they basically didn't have to work 20 years um, or didn't have to keep working for the rest of their lives. And from that side of things, it's the education that helped them. But that isn't always the case because you mentioned comparing other people and, and to some people, they will may, they may never have enough money, you know, and some people just keep accumulating, accumulating, accumulating when they don't even need to do it. And, and for me, I've found some people are worse than others. And the reason I say that when I say worse than others, I just mean that to some people, they don't need much in life. They're, you know, they'll even admit they're simple people, they don't need much, and then you've got others where, they need the expensive dinners, they need this, they need that, or they feel like they need it all. What would you say, and I know this is probably a topic which we could talk about for hours, but what would you say some people like that? Like I have a feeling some of it is to do with the way we were brought up, but is there more to it than just somebody being really simple, not really wanting much, not wanting an extravagant wedding, for example, and someone else wanting the bells and whistles and every single thing they can possibly get? These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.
1: And I think it goes back to what I was alluding to before in terms of how clear a person is on their values and what they want to stand for in life. Um, there was a recent study published by the University of Virginia that actually looked at money and the correlation to overall happiness and satisfaction. You may have heard there was a famous, I think it was, um, I might be getting this wrong, I think it was a Harvard study from a few years back that came out and quite sensationally said that um, there was a ceiling on how much money a person could make before the the life satisfaction um, levels stopped increasing. Um, I think it was something like $75,000, something like that. Um, and this study of from the University of Virginia just kind of looked at that original study and what they found was, well, that's not actually true. Um, there's definitely like more money can definitely need to – some levels of, of comfort, and like you were alluding to before, like a sense of security in terms of having basic needs met. But what their study found, which was surprising to them, was that when they looked at a cohort with the exact same um, level of wealth, so let's say you know their net worth was exactly the same, let might say half a million dollars each um, or $120,000 each, um, where a group equated success with money, their levels of satisfaction was progressively lower, like significantly lower, as opposed to the other um, group of the same cohort who had the exact level, of, same level of income but didn't equate success with money. They equated success with other lifestyle factors like family, close relationships, health, that sort of thing. Um, and I guess that speaks to that point that money in a – as a goal in itself feels very empty because how much is ever when you're chasing money and money equals success, how much is enough, right? When is enough enough? You could continue chasing forever. And so if you're always chasing, you're not really appreciating what you have. And so that feels really empty and it feels dissatisfying.
0: And then I guess this is why it's so important to not just to look at goals because, you know, and what someone's goals are, but to delve even deeper, to look at values,
1: Oh, absolutely! You know that's one of the first things that I say to people, and and you can tease out these even when we're looking at therapeutic goals for like people come in like I just want to feel happy, I don't want to feel sad anymore, I don't want to feel anxious anymore. But what would that then enable you to do? Those are the questions that we ask, um, because I think when you start connecting with what matters to people, what really how they want to be behaving, what they want to be standing for, um, then you have you give them a lot more control over the quality of their life. Right? It's about the things that they're doing, and there are some things that we can do on an individual level, regardless of um, what's going on, like the qualities of our, our our relationships, investing in friendships. So I think even goal setting, if it's not Steeped in values, it can feel it, it can feel very hard to move towards those goals, and it can feel very and um, can feel very hard to even get a sense of satisfaction from achieving those goals when you compare it to somebody who who has those goals very directly and in, and intrinsically linked to to their core values.
0: So, so, so as an example, sometimes I'll talk to someone and they'll say to me, okay, "My goal is to have a million dollars." by you know in 10 years and and i'll say why is it you know why why a million dollars and as i delve deeper sometimes i find that they don't really want a million dollars they just think they need a million dollars so that they can work less and spend more time with their family so really their value is to spend more time with family and family is their value and i find once we do do dig deeper and we find out the reason somebody wants something like that like in this example for example when the the person I'm thinking of, I uh, we actually ended up working out that if they restructure their budget and manage their money differently, then they can work one day a week less in their business now and spend time with the family. And just by asking that question and just by digging deeper and looking at that person's values, they were able to achieve that what they wanted without a, a, a you know a one million dollar price tag. You know, w- would you say that that's an example of? clarifying values and um and can you give some other examples as well as to what someone can do to try to find this because someone someone might be listening to this saying i don't know what my values are
1: mm-hmm. That is the perfect example of of uh, a values based kind of process, and I, I'm so glad that you you gave that example because it shows how even like you can you can implement this in your in your line of work. It's not just confined to the therapy room, um, because it's true like when you when people when you ask people to think about. Why is this goal important? When you do, and it's not just about money. Any goal in life, really, and you distill it down to what it matters. It it often matters. To, it often boils down to um, those, those things, you know, like having more time with with loved ones, having more time to do activities that, um, like, freedom to to travel, to do personal development activities, or to invest in hobbies. Um, but if you if we don't have that awareness or that self awareness um you you can run the risk of of chasing the symptom of that of that goal um, and still feel dissatisfied so um, there's lots of different ways that a person can can try to clarify their values. Um, there's some really great exercises available out there, but one that I often give to people, which may sound a little bit, <laughs> a little bit morbid. <laughs> it's a little bit quirky, um, but it's, it's based on a therapeutic style of um, modality. Sorry, called acceptance and commitment therapy. And It's to get people to write their eulogy, their own eulogy, from the perspective of those around them, the, the loved ones, but not not to write what they think people would say or what they expect is realistic for people to be saying about them but what they would ideally like ideal case scenario as um you know as extravagant and out there as they can they can think of to write to write that down from that perspective what they would like to be uh, have people say about them and that can really start to give them clues about what what matters to them often when i get people to do those exercises they will start to to say things along the line of, oh, I know it's about being a good, good parent, being a good partner, um, having close friendships and being um, being reliable and present to my friends, serving my community. It's things like that that start getting elicited from exercises like this and then you can help them recognize, oh, okay, well, since so if these are the things that matter to you, um that help you feel like you're living a really authentic aligned life what are some small things that you can implement even now before you've reached that that other goal that we were talking about even now to feel like you're already moving in alignment and in, in authenticity with who you want to be at your core and it can be very very powerful yes
0: it is a bit weird but it makes sense like writing a eulogy or even just thinking you know what what do you want what what do you want people to say about you when you're not around anymore and mm. yeah that's that's so powerful isn't it because it's like because yeah it might be because yeah I, I mean think about it right like at someone's funeral no one's going to get up and be like oh Jeff was a great guy he drove a really nice Ferrari right he let <laughs> me sit in it once <laughs> loved his house and uh you know he was great at a paying for our dinners you know (laughs) no one's going to say that they're going to you're right they're going to go down to the values they're going to go down to what impact that person had on the lives of others they're going to go down to you know what type of person he or she were you know what type of person were they you know were they kind were they you know so yeah that's amazing like we don't think of that do we (laughs)
1: <laughs> no not really and and it's funny because there's like, like there's a lot of research available as well about um you know those the final kind of reflections of people in palliative care and inevitably the 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 top items on those lists are things to do with families and connections and you know i guess missed opportunities like that from being like they held held holding themselves back from from um, a place of anxiety, of doing things and being visible. But in, inevitably the, the, the top one to two items on these lists are always, always boiled down to the the people and the relationships that they had. Um, and in fact, there's a, a, a well, like a well-known longitudinal study that's been conducted out of Harvard University where they've been tracking people over an 80 year period and measuring their quality of life, quality of um, both physical and mental health, as well as some other life lifestyle measures. And what this study has been shown has been showing, sorry, is that above money and all sorts of other measures, including social class, IQ, even genetics, the number one predictor of um, a satisfying life, of preventing of good mental health and physical health, is the quality of uh, quality close relationships
0: yeah well and, and it's and again and close relationships um, being kind like just some of the things we've mentioned these are all things that money can't buy so it's mm. I think we've you know I think we you've answered the question really well as to why money doesn't make people happy is because when you look at the values money doesn't buy values <laughs> money mm. to, you know yeah, it's 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 a tool it's an enabler sometimes don't get me wrong you know like what we said but it's it doesn't buy values. And, and I think we've you haven't just hit the nail on the head, Tatiana. I think you've, you've smashed the nail on the head.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> if, if anybody wants to get in contact with you um, or they want to learn more about what you do, um, what would you say would be the best way for them to do that?
1: So, there's a couple of ways they can reach out to me. I do have uh, an Instagram um, page um, titled uh, Psyche Hub. So, that's Psyche. Um, hub um, where i'm posting a little bit about you know these things to do with authenticity value space value living spirituality and and psychological concepts so that's one way to hand, uh, to reach out to me but um they can also find me on my practice website mindscopepsychology.com.au, um, or my my blog my psychology and spirituality blog blog psych, um, psychehub.com.au
0: Again, thank you so much for your time, Tatiana. It was, um, it was. It's again, it's been such an insightful topic, and it's uh, again. I and I think for me as a financial advisor, um, I think it's. I've always thought about this, and I talk to clients about it all. You know, not all the time, but I'd probably say eighty percent of the time we talk about you know these things. And but no matter how much you talk about it, there's 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 always so much more um, to 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 unpack, and there's there's so there are so many more levels because. Um, as humans, we're we're interesting beasts um, and we're always, you know, the, the world is changing so much. Lastly, I'd like to finish all my episodes off with a dad joke and I hope you're ready for this one. I um, love them. But uh, <laughs> it's pretty bad, to be honest with you. Um, but what did the cat say after it fell out of the tree? Um, <laughs> meowch. Meowch. <laughs> So
1: bad. I love you know why it. this I love bad. It.
0: I actually didn't prepare this one. I, I literally, as I was talking, I had the book in front of me. This is my son's book. He's got a book on dad jokes he gave me. And I'm literally looking for a good dad joke. And I've bookmarked some of the good ones. Uh-huh. So anyway, it's always good. <laughs> Youch.
1: I love it. <laughs> Ouch. But um, no,
0: again, thank you so much, Tatiana. Um, have a, um, you know, again, It's I've had such a good time discussing this. And as I said, it's... um. It's something we should all listen to and think about regularly.
1: Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. I've loved this opportunity to chat you.
0: Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. Book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.